previously on Playing the Rube. We have an interesting week ahead of us. We are going to Washington to face the Nationals. It's their home opener. It's Monday, and we get to face the guy that we were trying to court all spring training, Colby Lewis. And Charlie's going to, you know, hit Joe Blanton. Oh, man, are you Wait. serious? Base hit. <laughs> we just we just took the lead on a pitcher single. The pitchers See? are hitting today. And people want the DH in the National League. Up. Oh. Ryan Zimmerman just hit a walk-off. I had a feeling. I can't question the game too much. I can question our manager. So I guess the question becomes, you know, we keep saying we're not concerned. It's super early. Sample sizes fluctuate, right? At what point do we get concerned? Because now we're 1-7? Well, 3-10. We are six games out of first place where the Nationals are sitting at 9-4. and four. Maybe, maybe we were wrong about the Nationals. Oh, I really hope not. <laughs> that's the last thing we need in 2009 is a good Washington Nationals team Brad Lidge stretches the 0-2 pitch swing and a miss struck him out the Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 October 29th, 2008. Just days later, Ruben Amaro Jr. would be named general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. But what if, months after that, Ruben left? That's where we come in. Two guys living in their houses in 2017 will attempt to simulate the 2009 Phillies in answering the eternal question, could two guys living in their houses in 2017 do better than Ruben Amaro Jr. with the Philadelphia Phillies? Welcome to Playing the Rube. Welcome to Playing the Rube, the podcast where two guys attempt to do a better job than Ruben Amaro Jr. at being general manager of the Phillies. I am Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of philliesnation.com, and with me is the Oscar to my Felix, let's say, Dan Walsh. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Hey, I get that reference. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's as if we didn't talk earlier in a podcast that wasn't recorded, and uh, I had to explain to you what The Odd Couple was. No, I don't remember that at all. I think I just know. Yeah, I, think I just totally. know what it is. I'm, I'm dreaming it up, for sure. Um, the podcast, again, as I said, is two guys, me and Dan, trying to be general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies through Out of the Park Baseball 2018. Our job is to take the Phillies from 2009 and do a better job than Ruben did. That is, win another world championship and also keep the dream alive for a lot longer. That's not happening right now with us, though, because we are 3-10 and and playing relatively poorly in the 2009 season. But it might be time to turn it around, Dan, do you think? I really hope so. I was <laughs> feeling a little discouraged uh, most of the way through our, our last our last week. Um, fortunately, though, we ended with two wins, so we're looking to build on those two wins and see if we can turn things around. Yeah, and and yeah, we did start uh, with one win, then we lost ten in a row, and then we won two. We won two, so uh, maybe we are on the upswing. And we do have a guy who can continue that upswing pitching for us today on this Tuesday, April twenty first, two thousand nine. It is one Kyle Kendrick. How excited are you about that? Oh, man, I don't even know how to put it into words. Uh, let's see. <laughs> how excited am I when I 
see tumbleweed blow by my apartment. About that excited. There you go. I like it. That That's a little bit more excited than I am. So, <laughs> okay, so the podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and YouTube.com slash Phillies Nation. Also on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can go to philliesnation.com every Friday. I know it posted on Saturday this week, but it'll be Friday every week as as long as I can um, where you can find our story about what we're doing and you can listen to the podcast and follow along with us and listen to us talking for about an hour. It's really fun. Really cool podcast, I swear to God. So let's start with the minor league report, which we established last week on the podcast. We're going to go through the levels of the organization that are performing right now. There are four uh, beyond Philadelphia, that is, and look at some of the performers who are doing well or maybe not so well and give our opinions as to how we feel about them at the moment. It is quite early in the season, but we have to be excited because that's just who we are. So we're starting in Lehigh Valley where we picked up a guy a couple of weeks ago that uh, we needed as depth for the outfield in the Lehigh Valley organization because they only had really three outfielders and we needed to add another. So Corey Sullivan, a left-handed hitter, he's, I believe, 29 years old, I think. He right now has a 333 average for the Iron Pigs with a 393 on base percentage and a 458 slug. He's got a home run and six RBI, and he has three doubles. Also, nine strikeouts and six walks in that time. So, I got to tell you, Dan, I think I made a really good choice by bringing in Corey Sullivan. I think so, too. I think that, I'll, I'll put it this way, I think that he is exactly what we needed him to be, which is, you know, a guy who can fill out our minor league roster and not completely embarrass us in Lehigh Valley when he does. You know, that, that success over the last two weeks, uh, you know, obviously it doesn't uh, overcome his poor ratings. You know, he's rated as a 20 overall and a 20 potential, which are the lowest ratings that, that you can get uh, in this game. But uh, it is nice to see him at least doing well, you know, at the level that he is. Yeah, I mean, his numbers are very tepid across the board. He's got a 50 contact, a 45 discipline, 50 uh, avoid strikeouts, which that's up to 80. Uh, so 50 is pretty average. He only has a 30 in home run power, so it's very low. He doesn't seem to be the kind of guy who's going to be a big producer most of the season, but as you were saying, if he can give us a little bit of a you know potential fill-in you know spot or something like that, that doesn't hurt. Um, and we got him in the trade with the Mets where we traded Miguel Cairo, who didn't want to be in Lehigh Valley. So I think that's a win. I think it's a win. Yeah, really, we got something for nothing. you know. And I don't mean that as a slight against Miguel Cairo or anything. It's oh, just you like can he, mean it as a slight against Miguel we, Cairo. <laughs> he was difficult. He did make our lives a little bit miserable for a bit there. But, um, you know, he we had no purpose for him him so we got rid of him and at the same time got a guy to uh you know to help us out in the minors meanwhile another guy in the outfield in lehigh valley is really raking it right now john mayberry jr who we uh found as a recent acquisition with uh, the rangers we they of course uh, greg golson was traded to the rangers and the Phils picked up Mayberry. We brought him in here. And in Lehigh Valley, he's hitting 260 with a 339 on base percentage, 640 slug. Get this, five home runs in 56 plate appearances, also four doubles. Uh, he's looking really good right now. I think, you know, we should keep an eye on John Mayberry Jr. He looks like maybe that's someone that could get a call up at some point. I mean, the outfield uh, needs some help, but it, it'll get some help soon. But I think Mayberry could be on our watch list here. 
I think you absolutely should. You know, our our major league outfield right now, you know, while we're missing Victorino, it has multiple guys who aren't going to be mainstays or anything like that. You know, in Brian Stavisky and Tyke Redmond, those two guys are always going to be on the bubble between, you know, the big leagues and, and the minors. So to have a guy like Mayberry in mind or and even Sullivan, uh, it's nice to at least have options, even if they're not world beaters or anything like that. Well, so you mentioned uh, Stavisky and Redmond, and a decision will be coming up here soon because Shane Victorino, who was injured in spring training and was on the DL to start the season, is about to come off. Uh, I, I've been told that he's feeling a lot better and he's maybe a couple of days away from returning. So once he comes back, which hopefully will be this week, we'll have to make a decision, and it's going to be between Stavisky and Tyke Redman about who will be staying on the roster and who will be potentially going to Lehigh Valley. Um, there is an issue financially with this. Stavisky can go to Lehigh Valley without any repercussion. Tyke Redman has no options left. So if we do uh, decide to move him to Lehigh Valley, we would lose him potentially to waivers and a team could pick him up. Or if we're lucky, he could kind of fall through the cracks and go to Lehigh Valley without being touched. But um, just to go over the numbers for both guys, Tavisky is hitting 280 with a 357 OBP and a 480 slug. So he's having a really nice start to the year. And in 28 plate appearances, he's already hit his first home run and two doubles. Uh, so he looks good. He's got a 333 batting average of balls in play, which isn't that high above that 280. So good stuff. Tyke Redmond is hitting 257 with a 333 on base percentage and a 400 slug, slightly worse than Stavisky. He has, uh, I believe, four extra base hits, three doubles and a triple in 40 plate appearances. We picked up Redmond because he was more of a major league caliber player and uh, he provided some speed and a little bit of an eye, but Stavisky seems like he's sort of outperforming him. What do you think? Yeah, he does. And I'm wondering, first of all, I'm not super worried about Redmond being picked up off waivers by another team. Um, if he is, you know, it's a shame, but um, the likelihood of that happening isn't, isn't fantastically high. Um, and we wouldn't be losing, you know, a star player if it did happen. So, so I think that our decision perhaps should be based on not only their offensive stats, but their defensive flexibility, because really we just need someone as a fifth outfielder, uh, you know, who can play multiple positions if a guy needs a day off or we need a late defensive replacement or something like that. So, so to me, defense might actually be more important than how they're hitting. Yeah. And, and plus uh, Brian Stavisky is 28. So it's not as if keeping him on the major league roster means we're denying him the chance to start every day and become a star. Um, he could do that still, obviously, but I think when you're looking at a 28-year-old who's kind of, I mean, he was in, I believe, independent baseball the year before, you know, it's not as if there's really much of a risk of kind of losing a lot of plate appearances for him. Maybe he'll hit a wall here coming up, but as far as the defense, as you said, is concerned, and plus he does have a good uh, offensive showing so far, I think I'm with you. I would I would go with Stavisky and take the gamble with moving Redman into our waivers and seeing what happens there. So we'll we'll deal with that when that time comes because we are not quite there yet, thank God. But or maybe not thank God. We want to get Victorino back. Yeah, but, we are um, so desperate for Victorino. I don't know what you're talking about over there, but yeah. we need Victorino. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally with you on that. Um, all right. So the pitchers in Lehigh Valley that I wanted to talk about really quick, Eric Hurley. Um, who we picked up in the offseason as sort of another competitor for a starting rotation spot in Philadelphia or potentially just filler for Lehigh Valley. Maybe he's got some potential. He's very young. He's 23. He's pitching well. He's got a 1.50 ERA in 12 innings, 
He struck out nine. He's walked six, which isn't that great. Um, and there are other kind of smoke and mirrors uh, things to watch for here. His uh, FIP, which is fielding independent percentage, is a 3.35, which is quite higher than 1.50 as his ERA. So Eric Hurley, I- I'm sure he'll crash back down to earth, but are you are you pleasantly surprised with his showing? I am pleasantly surprised. I think that's the right way to put it. You know, he's a guy who we didn't know really what he would offer. Not many people are free agents when they're 23. So the fact that he was willing to kind of come on board with our team and we could figure out what he might be uh, was great. So, so the fact that, you know, it, it didn't really cost us anything. And so the fact that he seems to be a pretty serviceable player, a guy certainly worth seeing if he can sustain some level of, of success uh, will be nice. I, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about his walk rate, the 4.5 batters per nine innings. He's walking, and I do think that obviously he'll regress towards the mean in those other stats. But um, but still, you know, he's he's a guy that that uh, is doing pretty well, so I can't really complain at the moment. The other player I wanted to bring up is maybe may our top prospect in the system. Uh, the game doesn't rate him as such, but he is at the highest level, and he's a high-performing player who's got a lot of potential. That's starting pitcher Carlos Carrasco. Uh, the 22-year-old currently has 20 innings under his belt. He's already thrown three games for the Iron Pigs. And he has a 3.15 ERA, which is decently good. His uh, FIP is 3.05, so it's actually lower, which is a good sign. Better yet, Danny has 22 strikeouts and two walks. How do you feel about Carlos Carrasco right now? Yeah, he is lighting it up. I mean, I, that's those are numbers that I'm really happy to look at. His BABIP looks a little low. It's I think it's 240 something yep. like that. So that that you know that might fluctuate and and change his results somewhere along the line. But the fact that his you know his three true outcomes the the homers, the walks, and the strikeouts are so uh, are looking so good right now means that he could be a very successful pick, pitcher. Yeah, and right now he's a 35 overall and a 60 for potential, so clearly, you know, ace is not out of the question. I think a really good number two starter is probably the most likely scenario for him, Um, but the overall is already a 35, so you could potentially question bringing him up already to the majors, but what do you you think the timeline is for him right now? Do we, do, how patient or not patient do we want to be with Carlos? Yeah, what makes it a tougher question than it seems like it should be is the fact that our record is so poor and our pitching has sucked. So, you know, at, it, it won't be too long before we're like, all right, we need to start winning games here, um, you know, and then and then suddenly things are accelerating and we can't be like, well, let's wait until he develops into a, a 60 grade pitcher. You know, we might need a guy who's a 35 grade pitcher sooner than we'd like to. Um, you know, I don't think that's today. Uh, you know, we do have um, we do have a few more times to the rotation, I think, before we have to start thinking about kicking somebody out. Yeah, um, I, th- I think Carlos is probably not the first, second, or third option at this point, as well as he's pitching. Uh, but when he's up, I think it's really for good. So we want to kind of exhaust all the options that we have before we have to go with Carlos Carrasco. Um, but if we do stink for you know a lot longer than we than now, which I think is the longest we want to stink for, um, we might have to think a little bit you know stronger about Carlos being up here earlier. So we'll see what happens. Um, let's move to Reading, and uh, they just started their season. They have seven games under their belt, three and four on the year. And offensively, a couple guys I want to look at. First is Lou Marson, who is the top sort of catching prospect, at least in the high minors for us. 
Uh, he's not having a good start. 150 average with a 346 OBP. OBP is good. 346 OBP, which he has a really good uh, discipline uh, mark. That's good. But 150 average, 200 slugging percentage. He's 3 for 20 right now in the year. 26 plate appearances, 6 walks, 3 strikeouts. Not a great start for Lou Marson right now. Yeah, that's a very poor batting average. Uh, hit, you know, So it tells us his batting average on balls in play, and that's 176. And there's no way that's going to... Uh, it's going to stay that low. So his average obviously will come up once some of those balls start falling in. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we have any sense. I don't think we do of, you know, or if the game even takes this into account. But, you know, Babbitt, if he was hitting the ball hard, you know, a 176 Babbitt would be very different from if he's just kind of, you know, grounding back to the pitcher every single time. Um, yeah. So it's hard to say without that information in front of us. But, but even so, 176 Babbitt isn't going to last long. Yeah, I'm encouraged by the walk rate. You know, the six walks so far and three strikeouts is good to see, um, and that should help him normalize everything because he's just a, got a good approach at the plate. But, um, yeah, it's not a great start, but it's early in the year, so I'm not totally worried right now. Um, meanwhile, another top prospect in the system is Michael Taylor, outfielder in Reading, and he's having a great start. My God, 393 with a 452 on base and a 643 slug. He has two homers. He has a double. He's 11 for 28 this year. So, I mean, he's just knocking the ball around big time right now. Michael Taylor, um, I don't know. He's 23 years old, so he's maybe even a little bit old for Reading at this point. But what do, what do we think about Michael Taylor going forward here? Yeah, my first question was going to be if he's repeating double A or if it's his first time there. Because those numbers, you know... It, it's it's only been seven games, yeah. so it's too it's too early to be like, well, let's send him up if he's you know if he, if this is his first time in writing, but he might be deserving of a promotion before too long. Yeah, this is his first time in writing. Uh, last year, he actually started the year in Lakewood, and he was way too good for Lakewood. So after almost three hundred plate appearances half the season, uh, they moved him up to Clearwater, and there he performed admirably well. There, I mean, very well there, I should say. Three twenty nine with a three eighty on base and a five sixty slug. Uh, very good numbers there. So the, he's in Reading now, and he's doing the same thing. So I feel like after maybe 250, it seems like after 250, 260 plate appearances is when we kind of get a good read on him in his career here. So I think after 250, 260 plate appearances in Reading, I think we can make a determination about Lehigh Valley pretty quickly. Yeah, I think so too. That's, that's a little bit down the road, so it'll, it'll give him time to build a nice little sample size there. And finally, Ozzy Chavez is someone I want to just mention. 345 with a 345 on base percentage. So everything is hits right now. Um, 586 slugging percentage. Uh, just funny how well this guy's playing right now. He's a 25-year-old shortstop in A. I don't think he's much of anything going forward. But, hey, it's nice to see Ozzy Chavez having a good season so far. Uh, yeah, the more good seasons, the better, right? So he's not a guy who's been on my radar at all. Uh, to be honest with you, as we're going, as we've been going through this, I mean, you know, we're looking at other middle infielders um, throughout the system, but um, still, if Oz, if Ozzy Chavez turns into something, I won't complain at all. There you go. Um, okay, pitchers in Reading, uh, two that I wanted to mention: Joe Savory, who was the first round draft pick of the Phillies not too long ago. I believe it was in 2007. He was the first round pick. Uh, Twelve innings pitched so far. He is a 5-1-1 ERA. Uh, he has six strikeouts and no walks, so that kind of tells you something. And, in fact, his FIP right now is a 3-3-0, oh, 
So it seems like uh, he's been a little bit of a bad luck uh, uh, victim here. Um, what do you think about Joe Savory? I mean, you know, again, very early, but any thoughts here? It could be bad luck. It could also be bad defense. This is something that, you know, we remind people of every now and then, uh, you know, in real life, too, not just in simulations, is that sometimes in the minors, a pitcher's ERA will be inflated by the fact that the people behind him are, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're still learning their field also. So, you know, I, I have no idea what led to the 5'11 ERA specifically, but, um, you know, the fact that his peripherals look good uh, mean that he's worth keeping an eye on and that hopefully that, that number will come down. Yeah, Redding has committed six errors so far this year in their first seven games, so that's probably a little bit higher than it should be. Um, I don't know if it's a, it's a signal of anything right now, but we'll keep an eye on that. Um, and the other pitcher that I wanted to mention is Mike Stutes. Uh, Michael Stutes, who is, what is he, 22 years old? He's 22. And he has 11 innings under his belt right now and a 4.09 ERA, uh, but his FIP is a 5.22. So not so much bad luck, more like good luck, uh, because he's not as bad as he should be. 11 strikeouts, 5 walks. Uh, he's been hit a little bit, 14 hits in the 11 innings. Um, you know, so maybe the savory thing is, is maybe he's, I don't know. It's early. It's it's really early. That's what I'm saying here. Yeah, absolutely it is. And Stutz, is, looks like he's giving up a lot of home runs. I guess it's just the two, but the sample size is so small that it feels like a lot. Um, and, you know, pitching in Redding, if this game takes park factors into account, certainly Redding is, is <laughs> a, not a pitcher-friendly park. So, um, so that might influence their numbers also. Absolutely. Uh, okay, let's go to Clearwater. Also three and four right now in uh, the Florida State League. Two hitters here I want to talk about. One is Michael Durant, first baseman for the Threshers. He has a 292 average with a 452 on base percentage and a 417 slugging percentage. He's got a home run and three RBI right now in his first 31 plate appearances. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I picked him out. I just thought he's uh, he's just hitting better than most guys in this league. Um, this is also he's 22 and he's only in Clearwater this year. So I feel like this guy could get an aggressive push if he continues this uh, for the first two months or so. Yeah, I mean a 452 on base percentage. You think he'd be tired of being on base at this point? That's you know that's pretty <laughs> nice. So I went, you know farther down the season when we start promoting guys, he, he's definitely a guy who could be moved up. If that, if that keeps up, anyway. And also with that is uh, 23-year-old Steve Sustorf, who is an outfielder in Clearwater, and he's hitting 267 with a 353 on base and a 567 slugging percentage. He's got three homers already in the year in his first 34 plate appearances uh, and six strikeouts and three walks, so pretty decent numbers there. Um, also looking, Matt Rosati has nine walks and six strikeouts, so uh, Clearwater's taken a lot of passes so far. They've they got a lot of guys who are getting on base, which is good to see in the early going. Not much else to say, really, about the guys in Clearwater. I mean, it, it's, it, it looks like they're just doing a good job right now, even though they have a 3-4 and four record. I mean, better than us, right? So uh, better than us in the big league club. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that that is absolutely true. Um, and then one one pitcher in uh, Clearwater that I wanted to mention, Sean Grieve. Now, the pitching in Clearwater has been the problem so far. They don't really have anybody who's uh, lighting it up. The only pitcher who has an ERA, uh, there's two pitchers, two starters who have an ERA under five, I think it is, and that's Tyler Cloyd, who has a 3.38 ERA, and Mr. Sean Grieve 
who was a 1.59 ERA. Um, oh, he's a, he's a reliever. So they only have one starter who has an ERA under five. Sean Grieve is a 1.59. He's a, he's a reliever, but he has seven strikeouts and two walks in five and two-thirds innings. Um, I, I, I always – he's 24, so that this brings me to – I would be very – I would be very uh, bullish on relievers who are just really high strikeout rates, even if they're in single A, and move them up quickly. Yeah, a reliever doesn't have to develop as many pitches as a starter, so um, so that's part of why their development can be so quick. And the fact that he's 24 means that he might actually be, you know, almost I don't want to say too old for Clearwater, but certainly older than a lot of the other guys being developed there. Yeah, I mean Clearwater, if you're if you're in high A ball, you know, good players are maybe 20, 21 years old, and most of the players who are in the league are probably around 22, maybe 21. Um, you might see some 23 and 24-year-olds in those leagues, but it's a little bit rarer. So, yeah, someone like uh, 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 our friend here, who I just forgot his name. That's good. That's really good already for the GM. Sean Grieve, to uh, perform as well as he has in Clearwater, maybe we just got to push him up a little bit quicker and see what he can do against more sort of level competition. Um, okay, to Lakewood, the Blue Claws are five and six, uh, and they're uh, fifth place in the in the Sally Northern Division. So that, that we gotta watch that one. Um, Travis Darno, who is the top catcher in the low minors for us, and probably a better prospect overall than Lou Marson. He's hitting four forty one with a four seventy four on base percentage and a seven sixty five slug. Danny's got three home runs. He's got a triple. He's got 15 hits in his first 38 plate appearances. Uh, he's mashing the ball right now. I mean, what what do we want to do with Travis Darno, who, by the way, is only 20 in Lakewood? Yeah, he might eclipse Lou Marson as soon as this year or next year if he keeps hitting like that. I know he's two levels below him, but um, but those are good numbers. Yeah, I mean, he did go to Lakewood at the end of last year. He was, I mean, he was drafted and then went to uh, Williamsport. And uh, finished the year. Uh, he might have been drafted in 2007, but he finished uh, last year in Lakewood, and he hit 297 with a 357 OBP. So he actually played well in Lakewood, but now he's playing extremely well at 20 years old already. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll have to kind of be judicious. But he's also a catcher, which I I like to be a little bit more long term with catchers and their development. He's only a 45 at position rating there, so we got to be careful, I think, with him. Yeah, there's so much for a catcher to learn. Um, you know, in addition, they're hitting defensively and game calling and working with the pitching staff. All these things take time to learn. And then finally, on the offensive side for Lakewood, Derek Mitchell, left fielder, is absolutely on fire. I mean, this might be the guy in our system who's the most on fire. He's 22 years old, so we should be a little bit cautious because he's playing uh, at a league where the guys are usually 20 or 21 years old. The guy's got six home runs and four doubles in his first 49 plate appearances. He's hitting 386 with a 449 OBP and an 886 slugging percentage. This guy is insane right now. I mean, what, what do you do with a guy who's this super hot? I don't know. I, you know, it's too, it's too early to say. And just not even 50 plate appearances, it is too early to say because there's a difference between a hot streak and, uh, you know, a t- a, your talent level. Right. So certainly a guy, you know, you put him on your watch list and see if that keeps up. So I will say this. He did play basically the entire season last year in Lakewood. So he's repeating Lakewood. Um, 
how far would you go with a guy who's this good before we bring him up? Like, are you thinking like a month, two months? Like, what what is your like earliest threshold? Uh, how many plate appearances did he have there last year? Four hundred and fifty three at bats. Okay, yeah. So you know, probably wouldn't even take as many as two hundred at bats before yeah. you can you know start start looking at promoting him. So um, I don't know, maybe another fifty. Yeah, I, w- I would say at 100 we can, you know, if he's if he's still OPS in around 1.2, 1.3 at 100 plate appearances, that might be it. I mean, we just say, all right, go up to go up to Clearwater, see what you can do. He also plays, I think, multiple positions. He's a yeah, he plays five different positions, so he could easily go anywhere in Clearwater and just slide right in. So um, good to have that kind of uh, versatility there. Um, okay, and then the pitchers for Lakewood that I wanted to highlight. Uh, Austin Hyatt, who is one of the prospects in the Lakewood, pretty good rotation Lakewood, by the way. Uh, he's got a 3.09 ERA in 11 and two-thirds innings, uh, nine strikeouts, but eight walks. So that's someone who I think, you know, we're just going to see what he could do here with his control. Um, his control is only a 40 overall, so that, that kind of gives you a little bit of pause. The other guy I wanted to mention is Kyle Drabeck who in 11 innings has a 4.91 ERA, so not off to a great start. His FIP is 5.63, so that's even worse. He has nine strikeouts and, and five walks. Um, Drabeck is probably the best pitching prospect in the Lakewood organization right now, uh, and it's his first go-round in Lakewood. So a lot of early stuff right now, but you know, just some names to kind of think about as we continue on because Drabeck and Hyatt, for sure, two of the more prized guys in that rotation. Yeah, and a 40 in control is below average, but it's not markedly below average, you know. Right. So so 50 is average with a 40 with a 40 grade control, you would expect, you know, less than 6 and 2 thir- or 6.2 walks per nine. So um so I expect that to get at least a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully it does. Uh speaking of guys who have uh, great numbers on the mound, Kyle Kendrick is pitching tonight for us. He has a uh, 6.30 ERA so far this year. Um, what do you think about Kyle Kendrick as, uh, how far do we go? Like if Kyle Kendrick continues to put up pretty terrible numbers, like what's the earliest you want to hook a pitcher on this roster? Well, you know, it's, it's so hard to say because we don't have that much to fill in behind him. So, you know, you go a little longer with it and you hope that when Victorino comes back and when Ryan Howard starts hitting that, that some of that pressure is taken off the pitching, but right now, I mean, it just it we're suffering with these guys. Yeah, no, suffering is is probably the most charitable word that we can use to describe how it's going right now for us. Um, all right, so are you ready to get into a series with the Milwaukee Brewers at home? Yeah, that that sounds great. This is the great <laughs> this is the great rematch of the uh, 2008 National League Division Series. So. I'm sure the, 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 the blood will be a little bit uh, hotter than usual here. Yeah, I think so. See, I can feel your excitement. It's like jumping <laughs> through. I know. I have, to, I have to make sure that I don't wake any neighbors here. Um, yeah, it's just a shame that Victorino's hurt. He can't, he can't uh, hit any bombs in this one. Yeah, oh, that grand slam. Oh, that was a fun night. That was a fun night. All right, uh, first game, Kyle Kendrick against David Bush. Here we go. We're going to Simmet. And we got rained out, my friend. <laughs> I'll take it. You know, sometimes a rain out feels like a win, and this is one of those times. 
Uh, we also got to note that one of our starting pitchers, uh, Kevin Angel of uh, Lakewood, just suffered an arm injury, but it's only a couple days uh, since he's a starter and it's a three-day injury. I'm not going to put him on the DL. It doesn't really make sense at this point. Um, and also Sean Grieve, who I just mentioned as uh, pitching very well in Clearwater, has elbow inflammation. Oh, good. So probably a UCL problem, just given our luck. Uh, so we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, and he'll go to the designated uh, designated. He'll, excuse me. He'll go to the disabled list. Um, and while we're at it, uh, there needs to be a hole filled in the Clearwater bullpen. So let's take a look at Lakewood and see who might get a jump up real quick. How about closer Justin DeFreitas, who has nine strikeouts and a walk in just five innings, a 16.2 strikeout per nine? What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good. And maybe he'll do well enough to stick there. All right, we're going to move Justin DeFreitas very quickly. See these relievers, as I mentioned it, they can move up quick. And here we go, second week of the minor league season, and now they're getting promoted. Okay, he feels good about that promotion. I don't know anyone who wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to just see what our coach over there thinks. DeFreitas should go, and he's going to be the closer in Clearwater. So that's great to see. So really high hopes for him in Clearwater. And uh, we're going to have to just go another day here. And the rain out will make it up on the 22nd here on Wednesday. So we have a doubleheader coming up here. Um, also, Andrew Carpenter is uh, now coming off the DL. So that's another starter that we can punch in somewhere. Yeah, good. He's another one. His his pitching rating is 25 on the, on the scale. His pitching potential is 25 also. So, you know, not a guy who's going to become our ace or, or even our number two, but a guy who we can use if anybody else gets hurt or... You know, we want to get rid of Kendrick without without rushing Carrasco, anything like that. So the question that I have to ask you, though, with Carpenter is, last year he was in Reading for just about the entire season and pitched to a 4-5-6 ERA, didn't really blow anybody away, but he was promoted to uh, Lehigh Valley at the end of the year and made one start. So do we want to move Andrew Carpenter to Lehigh Valley, or do we want to move him to Reading? Um, does you know? Is there a hole in either rotation or anything like that? So at this moment, I don't believe there's a hole in either rotation. Uh, Reading currently has a five-man staff, and they're completely staffed up right now. Um, and Lehigh Valley is also five men. Oh, uh, Lehigh Valley is. I see. I spoke too soon, man. Four men in the Lehigh Valley rotation. See, I just had a feeling. It just got some vibes. Yeah, I shouldn't have spoke. Um, all right, so let's uh, move him into Lehigh Valley. How about that? All right, so Carpenter is now in Lehigh Valley, and we are going to continue with today's games. We have a doubleheader against the Brewers, so uh, we are going to go with this one, Kyle Kendrick, starting the first game today. And it was an 8-5 to five loss. Yep, 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 I bet it was. <laughs> That quickly, you're just that angry again. <laughs> yeah, I'm just right where I was. We have a couple more injuries to report. Uh, as n- n- now there will be a, a hole in the Reading rotation because Tyson Brummett <laughs> got hurt. Uh, diagnosis is pending. We don't know yet, but it doesn't look that good at the moment. And 
There was also an injury in Clearwater where starting pitcher Tyler Cloyd is injured with a diagnosis pending. So not great news there, man. No, we really can't afford to have everybody get hurt all at once. But, um, you know, these are these are still not high-impact guys, and uh, the diagnosis is pending, so I guess we'll, we'll have more information to go on in the next few days. So um, this game ended uh, pretty terribly for us. It was an 8-5 to loss to the Brewers, and we gave up two runs in the sixth, one in the seventh, and three in the ninth. So we had a 5-3 to lead and blew it in the late innings. That's great. Um, Kyle Kendrick actually was out there for way too long. This has become a recurring theme. It's becoming a problem, actually, and I don't, I don't want to fire Charlie Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, I, when he was fired in real life, and I know that you know, quote real life. Um, it like it had to be the most heartbreaking thing to do because he's such a nice person and he's so well liked. I even Cyber Charlie, I think, or Robot Charlie, whatever we're calling him. It might be a bit of a, uh, of a sad moment for me, but we can't just have guys out there too long all the time. Yeah. Uh, Kendrick uh, went eight innings, which is just insane how Kendrick would go eight innings anytime. And he gave up uh, five earned runs. He walked one and struck out one. So he, I mean, goodness, like, you know, it's not like he had great stuff or anything. I mean, he did have a uh, five to two lead going into the sixth inning. And by the time that he gives up all the runs that he gives up into the sixth inning, they should take him out. I don't understand why Charlie Manuel didn't take him out. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that. That's not very good. Uh, Brad Lidge finished the game with an inning and gave up three runs. So that's all good, too. Um, offensively, Howard continues to break out of his slump. He had a home run, uh, two for four with five RBI. So we actually had all the RBI in the game. Um, so that's good to see. Yeah, at least there's something to uh, be positive about. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I started that sentence thinking I was going to have a lot more to say, but I really <laughs> did not. I really, that's the most I can muster after another loss. All right, let's, uh, let's go through the second game of the doubleheader here. It'll be Cole Hamels, so hopefully a win against Chris Capuano. Chris Capuano, all right. And we have an 8-6 to six win, so we got one back. We did get one back. All right, so that's good at least. And, and, and uh, maybe we can still take the series. I think that was the first two games of it, right? Yep, those are the first two games of the three-game set. So maybe we can still take the series. Um, don't like that we still gave up a lot of runs, even in a loss, but it does just kind of take me back to that time when, uh, despite having you know arguably the best offense in baseball, the Phillies were still kind of terrifying to watch just because they – they're pitching on any given day. Yeah, and, and Hamels wasn't too bad in this one. In fact, he went seven innings, gave up three earned runs, five of them. He had five runs, three earned. There were a couple errors in this game. Raul Abanez made one, a surprise. But um, he struck out ten. And, uh, of course, Charlie Manuel threw him for 114 pitches. So, you know. Um, oh, man. <laughs> Ryan Matson. He's just going to be dead in May. He's just going yeah, to fall apart in May. I, we might have to intervene at some point if it continues at this pace. Uh, Ryan Madsen gave up a run in the eighth inning. He blew the save. And then uh, Chano Park got the win by throwing a clean ninth inning. Um, and in that ninth inning, the Phillies won in walk-off fashion on a two-run home run by who else but Ryan Howard. All right. And Greg Dobbs also had a really good game. He went three, he, three for three with a home run, two runs scored. So that's good to see. 
Okay, we're moving on now to April 23rd. By the way, uh, some news in baseball. Jason Giambi hit his 400th Major League home run. All right, well, good for him. Yeah. I, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's, hard to, <laughs> it's hard to celebrate these milestones when they happened virtually and years ago. Oh, I just got a call from Charlie Manuel. Uh, Shane Victorino is ready to come back from the DL. That's good news. That is good news. He, he, Charlie refuses to put a different uh, a different player in the two-hole in our batting order other than whoever's playing center field that day. So the fact that Shane Victorino can soon be playing center field, our lineup will look very different. And uh, some good news, too, on the injury front. Both Tyson Brummett and uh, Clearwater uh, Tyler Cloyd were just minor injuries. So thank God uh, we don't lose any starting pitchers this early in the season. So things are coming up uh, Millhouse right now for the Phillies. That's right. What a beautiful day. So we're going to move Shane Victorino into the active roster. But before we do that, we'll have to take out somebody, and that will be Tyke Redman who's hitting 250 with a 333 on base percentage and a 375 slug. Any last words for Tyke Redman? Um, I don't think so. I mean, he's got a cool, he's got a really cool name. So I hope we get to say it some more. Me too. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, Tyke. <laughs> okay. He's in waivers and we'll see what happens with that because he has no more options. We have to put him on waivers. Shane Victorino will now move into the active roster. And I'm just going to ask Charlie Manuel, just let's hope that he puts Shane Victorino in the lineup. And he's got him leading off in the lineup. So there you go. That's good. It'll be Shane Victorino, Jimmy Rounds, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Jason Worth, Raul Abanez, Carlos Ruiz, and Greg Dobbs as your regular starting lineup. That makes me feel a lot better about my life. It sounds so much better than having Brian Stavisky or Ty Redman in there. And, and I like Brian Stavisky. He's had a really nice start to the season, but no more, man. No more. <laughs> yeah, that can't go on forever. Yeah. And finally, the last game of the series, we're actually going to hold on for this one because it's Jay Happ on the Hill, and I want to do a game with Jay Happ on the Hill and kind of, uh, you know what? Okay, we're through 40 minutes. I'm not going to sim any We're not going to play any games. We're just going to sim. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I think that makes the most sense. Okay. And finally, the third game of the series against the Brewers is Jay Happ for the Phils going up against Chris Narvison of the Brewers. Happ has an 8.68 ERA, not very strong this year, but who knows? We've had some good starts from a couple guys recently. Brent Myers, Kendrick pitched okay until he got hit around. So let's see what happens in this final game of the series. Yeah, and Happ, too, started the year with that injury, so he's kind of still tuning up. He might still be in spring training mode, so... Any given start, he might uh, kind of click. Spring training continues for Jay Happ. Oh, man. The Phillies lost 11-4 to today. Happ, was hit. I, Happ did not make it out of the first inning, not because he was hit around, but because he got hurt. Oh, good. So, so Rodrigo Lopez' uh, uh, disease continues to affect the Phillies at this point. <laughs> Then the Phillies had to run through their entire bullpen drags, including Mike Zagurski, Clay Condry, and Chad Durbin and Scott Ayer, who has an 18 ERA. So we're going to have to keep watch on Scott Ayer for a little while here. Yeah, we might have to make a whole kind of flurry of moves at some point. Yeah. Um, Bill Hall had a big game for the uh, Brewers in this one. Uh, he had himself a two-for-four game. 
And uh, for the Phils, anything interesting? Not really. Carlos Ruiz had a double. Oh, and Chase Elliott was hit by a pitch. Go figure. So we are now 4-12 and 12 on the season. And that will take us to a shameless plug for philliesnation.com, where right now you can read about the fate of Andres Blanco. Did you know that Andres Blanco is still on the Phillies? I could feel it in my soul, just kind of like clawing at me, like almost like acid reflux. Well, that, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> I think I should see somebody about it, actually. You probably should. Uh, yeah, philliesnation.com is where you can go for all your news, information, rumors, and much more about the Philadelphia Phillies. Everything from the latest news as to who's getting hurt and who's getting traded and all that good stuff to what is happening with some of the players that uh, we love so much and what we hope will happen with maybe guys like Andres Blanco or guys like Tommy Joseph or guys like, uh, I don't know, Aaron Altair or Nick Williams or whatever. We have pieces up all the time about what's happening with the Phillies and what we think about the Phillies. It's a very fun website to check out. And you can go back in time, like look at our history. We have uh, the 50 greatest Phillies games of the last 50 years, which we did over the offseason. You should go back in time because it's a lot better than living in the present right now. Also, we have the 100 Greatest Phillies that we did both in 2008 and then again in 2000, I believe, in 12. I think I might be wrong on that one, but regardless, it's there. It's all there on philliesnation.com. Also, check us out on Twitter at philliesnation, Instagram at philliesnation underscore, and facebook.com slash philliesnation. Go to philliesnation.com today. Okay, Dan, we have some uh, more injuries to just talk about really quick. Some diagnosis pending for Sam Walls in Clearwater, and sadly enough, Michael Taylor in, uh, excuse me, Sam Walls in Reading, and Michael Taylor in Reading. Yeah, Michael Taylor, that's, that's one that really gets to you, because he's having a good year, and he is an important part of our future at the moment. Yeah, so hopefully that's not uh, a major injury, but uh, we will see what happens. Uh, certainly not the best news we can get at the moment. But, again, uh, we will have to find out maybe another day what happens with uh, Mr. Taylor there. All right. We are now going to Florida. We're playing a team called the Florida Marlins. Do you remember them? I, I think so. I think that I would like to see a perfect game thrown again against them at some point in my life. Mm, that could happen. And maybe it'll happen today because Joe Blanton in his 519 ERA is throwing <laughs> for the Phillies. <laughs> He certainly has perfect game stuff, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, he does. Um, we do have to make a move, though, because uh, Jay Happ is hurt, and he is uh, out for a couple days. Um, so here's what I'm thinking. Jay Happ is probably out for a week, and uh, Rodrigo Lopez is going to be back in a couple days. Why not just keep Happ on the roster, and then when Rodrigo Lopez comes back, we could potentially move him onto the roster and move Hap to the DL. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, with with that timeline, I think it makes sense to do that instead of like moving a bunch of people around and then not actually using them. Yeah, and right now in Le- Lehigh Valley, there's nobody worth moving up. I mean, Carlos Carrasco, as we said earlier, a little too early, but um, you know, it's better just to have somebody who we already had on the roster come back and just be part of it. So we'll do that when it's done. All right. Florida series. Uh, we just got the news on Michael Taylor, by the way, before we start. Five weeks, he's out. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, it, it probably won't be enough to make him have to repeat writing unless he struggles the rest of the year, but it, it really it really is terrible. Yeah. Um, we'll also have to make a corresponding move because the writing outfield right now is pretty low. Um, I... 
let's bring up David Hissy. Um, why is the last name Hissy? I have no idea. But he's 23 years old and in Clearwater, and I just feel as if he could just be a just someone who can kind of take time in in writing. He doesn't even have to play. I don't care. Yeah, the other the other guys at Clearwater are, are you know those other outfielders are ones that we might have uh, you know more investment in their development. A guy named Dominic Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh yeah, uh, is down there. Uh, Steve Sussdorf is there. Um, so yeah, you're right. I, I think that Hissy is one that we can call up without interrupting any uh, player development. Sure thing. All right. So David Hissy is in the roster. Good for you, David Hissy. Hopefully he doesn't throw a fit. <laughs> yeah, I did that joke. All right. I, you, you know your audience. Right now your audience is me. So I'm like the probably the only person that will laugh at that. Yeah. All right, Joe Blanton is throwing today for the Phillies against the Florida Marlins. Josh Johnson on the hill for the Marlins. Pretty good pitcher. Here we go. And we have a 4 to nothing loss. And we have news that Chase Utley is hurt for a couple days. Did you wrong someone in your past? <sighs> it's possible. You... I mean, I have to think about some things, but, um, you know, there was a guy about six years ago, so maybe he's out to get us here. Does he know any spells? Because it's starting to feel like it. I'll check if my apartment's built on some sacred grounds of some <laughs> kind, because I feel like we are cursed right now. Yeah. Um, was it a no-hitter from the Marlins? It was a seven-hitter. Okay. Johnson styming the Phillies for seven hits. Blanton gave up four runs in six innings, and then Kondry and Zagurski cleaned it up. Um, Ryan Howard went three for four, but it was all for naught. So it's good. It's good. Um, Leader of the DL, I guess, because he'll be out for a week. Huh. Yeah, it's tough. Cause it, like it, this is why it turned into a 10-day DL You know, in, in real life. It's because... For a week, I don't know if you really need the 15-day, yeah. but you can't just not have anyone well, we for could, a full week. Well, Unless so, you want to play with a short bench. Yeah, we could play with a short bench. I mean, Eric Bruntlett has actually only had three at-bats this season. So Charlie Manuel is doing a nice job of keeping his guys fresh. Um, and we can easily just decide that Utley stays on the bench and Bruntlett can start at second base for a couple games. Yeah, that could work. Um, does and, and I guess the only other option is does Dobbs play second base at all? Uh, Greg Dobbs, he does not play second base. Okay, so that so that's out. Yeah, he only played second base four games in his life in real life. So um, so that makes sense. Um, all right, so that option is out. So Bruntlett it is, I think. Yeah, and at second base, the only guys on the roster who play second base are Utley and Bruntlett, and Bruntlett has a fifty at second base, so it's not like he's bad at it. Um, the other option would be if we were to put Utley on the DL, we'd have to move D'Angelo Jimenez to the major league roster for a week. But I don't know. I, I mean, a week is is weird. Yeah, a week is just that is that kind of cutoff between what's the point and it has to happen. So but, I mean, we could we could always do a few games with him just on the bench and then and then put him on the DL if we have to. Yeah. Let's just continue on because uh, we should continue on. Hopefully we get another win here. But um, we have a Florida game on this. Well, let's, let's, let's get through this day here this Friday. All right. Saturday, April 25th, 
playing Florida. It is Ricky Nolasco for the Marlins against our old friend Brett Myers, who has a 4-4-2 ERA. So he's actually, I think, the second-best pitcher on staff. Yeah, and a 4-4-2 ERA, I would have thought would be, you know, obviously not great, but at least enough to keep this team with this offense in games. But if they're not all hitting and now with Utley out, you, you just don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with Utley because I, I do wonder if Charlie Manuel is still going to play him, even if he's moderately hurt. Uh, let's find out. All right, now we have a 13-5 to loss. So it's not it's not getting better, is it? No, it's it's getting worse, as you said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and we have an actual injury of uh, Chad Durbin. It's pending, but it looks a little more serious than uh, your typical injury. So things aren't going very well right now, Dan. You know, you're right. Now, now that you, I wasn't sure, but now that you mention it, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, and it's it's not like it's not even like at this point like the team is just struggling in one area. It's all these injuries are piling up. It's the bullpen, it's the rotation, it's games where we're getting shut out by Josh Johnson. You know, it's just you you just can't get any kind of momentum going. Yeah, I I'm I mean, we've talked about sort of the moment when we need to think about making some changes and sort of talking about strategies for the future and we're not there yet, but I mean, we're getting close. It's April 26th, and I said by the end of April we might want to start talking about it if we have maybe five or six wins. Well, we only have four right now. Yeah, we might have to start thinking about who we're willing to part with at the major league level to get back guys that can help us right away or prospects that we're willing to bundle for uh, an impact player. All right, so Jay Happ is going to go on the 15-day DL because we do need a starting pitcher on this roster right now. Uh, Rodrigo Lopez comes off the DL and he'll join the team as a starting pitcher. And, you know, again, here we go. Like, Rodrigo Lopez is going to be in the starting rotation right now. So not, not a great, not, not a great scenario for us. Yeah, not perfect. I mean, his, his ratings are a 50, so he should be league average, uh, which, you know, fills out the rotation a little bit just to have a guy who's league average in it. But You'd really rather have a guy who, you know, is an ace or a number two in there. So in this 13-5 to loss, uh, the Marlins took the lead early and didn't give it up. They scored two runs in the first and four in the third. Um, they just hit uh, Brett Myers pretty well. Six earned runs given up by Brett Myers, three strikeouts, three walks. I don't know why this, the pitching staff is playing so terribly. Um, only Cole Hamill seems to be having any success this season, which is really disconcerting at, at the least. Um, Mike Zagurski didn't pitch well. Chad Durbin gave up two runs, and now he's hurt. Uh, Scott Ayer actually didn't throw a pitch, maybe he threw one pitch, and he got an out, I guess. Potential? No, he didn't even get an out. He threw zero innings, so that's weird. And Chan Ho Park threw two innings and gave up a run. So uh, it's just not looking great. Ryan Howard had three more hits. So, you know, that's great. Ryan Howard continues to hit. Uh, Jason Worth, though, is at 194. He had a 2-for-4 game, um, so at least he got that going on, but 194 on the early season for Jason Worth. Just all across the board, yucky. Yeah, and at least you can take stock in the fact that Jason Worth will probably turn it around, and that'll be a big boost when and if he does. But, um, yeah, as far as the pitching, I just don't know. I mean, I, we might be able to do that common PR technique and just fire the pitching coach and pretend that it was all entirely his fault, but I don't think that it actually is. Uh, by the way, Chase Utley did play in this game. 
So <laughs> we did get. Hey, here's some good news. We did get Tyke Redmond. He uh, did clear waivers. Okay, well that fixes everything then. Um, <laughs> another world, another World Series for us. So Tyke Redmond, I guess, will go to uh, Lehigh Valley. Yeah. Um, and now the Lehigh Valley team has uh, six outfielders, so we we. Might want to think some. Not, we can keep it as is. It's not a big deal at this point. The more the merrier in Lehigh Valley, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, certainly, that's not our number one issue right now. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's now finally finish this terrible week, which has all been terrible. All these weeks have been terrible. Uh, Sunday at the Marlins, Chris Volstad going for the Marlins against our own Rodrigo Lopez. Let's see how he does. And we have a 10-8 to 8 win. There you go. See, Rodrigo Lopez was the missing link. <laughs> oh, was he? <laughs> he's find, all we needed. Let, let's find out just how missing he really was in this game. He gave up. Okay, three earned runs in six innings. Not bad. See, quality start. Yeah. Brad Lidge gave up three runs. Whew. The bullpen, nobody yeah, in the bullpen. This, has, the bullpen is just terrible this year. This game is very low on Brad Lidge. It, it gives him, I think, 20, 25 as his rating. Yeah, 25. So, you know, despite coming off a very successful 2008, uh, Brad Lidge is um, very terrible in this game. Uh, the Phillies won this game in 11 innings. This was a 11-inning uh, a, a game. Um, it was tied at 5 going into the 11th when, um, let's see here, uh, Shane Victorino singled to lead off the inning. Jimmy Rollins singled to move uh, Victorino to second. Chase Utley still in there, even though he's hurt. Uh, even though he's hurt. He walked because he's Chase Utley. And then Ryan Howard hit a grand slam home run. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So uh, that made it 9-5. to five. They took a 10-5 to five lead, and then Brad Lidge managed to give up three more runs to make it close. But, uh, hey, at least, at least we got one. Yeah, we got one. You know, so it seems like every week we end on a high note, and then we become optimistic. And I think maybe that's where we go wrong, is that optimism. Yeah, we should just go into every week, like absolutely bitter and and goth, and maybe I should like dress in black when I record. Maybe that's the superstition thing. Yeah, you know, we we really are lacking superstition, which is something that is so important in baseball. Um, so whatever it was that we were doing or thinking or wearing during that last game, let's do that some more. That sounds wonderful. We should do that. Um. And as the capper to this uh, fantastic week, uh, it's actually good news. Ryan Howard has been named National League Player of the Week. Good. He deserves it. Yeah. Uh, he has five home runs, 19 RBI on the season, hitting 237. He's come alive here in this last week. And just in time for us to get our fifth win of the season at 5-14. and 14. Fantastic. It's a level that I didn't think that this team would ever reach in 2009. Not with Howard and Utley and Rollins and Victorino and Worth. I didn't think that there would be a stretch that would be this bad. You know, obviously you plan for cold streaks, you plan for bad luck, um, but I didn't think that it would go on through a stretch of games this long. Well, 
we'll see what happens next week because this could be the week that we determine whether we need to do something a little bit more um, uh, aggressive and, and take some action with this, with this franchise a little bit more. But we're playing the Nationals, who uh, owned us a little bit earlier in the season, and then we get to face the Mets for the first time. And uh, the Mets are bringing Johan Santana in the third game of that series. So this will be a decent week, I think, to kind of get an indicator of where we fall. The Nationals are actually in first place at 11-7, and seven, and the Mets are 9-9 nine and nine in third place. So we'll see. This could be a really interesting barometer week. Yeah, let's set those two series as the kind of litmus test that will determine our next step. That sounds good. Okay, so 5-14, and 14, all is not completely lost, but it's getting close. Uh, Dan, were you happy with how this week went? No, no. I, <laughs> I can't even think of any like kind of clever, zippy little one-liner to say. Utley's hurt. We lost a ton of games. We have injuries all the way up and down our system uh, and no clear solutions to the problems that we're having. It's tough to be uh, happy with any of that. And with that, we'll see you next week on <laughs> the Rube. I am Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of PhilliesNation.com, wearing all black next week. Dan, we will talk to you next week. All right, I'll get the eyeliner. <laughs>